0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to I See What You Said, the Disciplined Listening Podcast. I'm Michael Reddington, and today I am thrilled to share our next guest with you, Jason Collette. Jason's an amazing guy. He is the CEO of Adaptivity, a strategic HR and leadership consulting firm. He's a highly sought-after speaker. On the stage, he not only combines his wide range of business leadership experience, but he also integrates his mountaineering experience as well. And he talks about developing engagement and cultures, empowering people and teams, creating mountain movers, as he says. Jason has been a leader within Fortune 100 companies, startups. He has been in so many different scenarios, helped so many people. He's so generous with his time. Recently, he made a social media post asking people to reach out if they needed help after getting laid off. And he's literally helped dozens of strangers land new jobs based out of his own experience and generosity. He's exactly the type of person we like to have on the show so we can learn from their experience, how they communicate with others, how they see the world and what we can learn and apply from that experience and perspective as well. So really excited for our conversation with Jason today. Of course, we want to thank our sponsors, Humantel. Please head over to humantel.com for industry-leading training on recognizing nonverbal displays and changes of emotions with facial expressions and nonverbal behavior. Top of the line training. I can vouch for it personally. If you head over there, please enter the code INQUASIVE25, I-N-Q-U-A-S-I-V-E-25 for a 25% discount off all of their online training. Also, please check out Emotional Intelligence Magazine, ei-magazine.com for their ever-expanding library of emotional intelligence-related resources from articles to video to podcasts, to education events. If so much going on over there, they're always adding more. Please go check them out. And of course, for the investigative interviewers, please head over to the International Association of Interviewers at certifiedinterviewer.com. Check out all of their member interaction, their resources, their legal updates, all the things that they're offering to their members. Of course, if you qualify for the Certified Forensic Interviewer designation, the International Association of Interviewers exists to continue to move the industry of interview and interrogation forward and make sure that elite interviewers have the tools they need to conduct morally, legally, and ethically successful interviews in any context. So check out certified, for un- certified Interviewer.com and the, the International Association of Interviewers. All right, so without further ado, thank you for joining us today. I introduce to you Jason Collette. Good morning, Jason. It is so great to see you. How are you? I'm great, man. It's good to see you again. I really appreciate you taking the time. It's been too long. <laughs> it's always too
1: long. It's uh, You are one of my favorite people on the planet, man. I am, I'm always uh, inspired and energized after we get together. So it's good, good, good to see you again.
0: Well, thank you. And the feeling is certainly mutual. So obviously, we've spent some time together. I've got some insight on your background, where you've been, what you've done. But for people who might be meeting you for the first time today, in a Cliff Notes version, because I know your story is <laughs> deep. In a Cliff Notes version, what led you to running Adaptivity and dedicating yourself to helping so many professionals in so many ways?
1: Yeah, uh, Cliff Notes, you know, I I have this really eclectic, odd ADD style work history. Um, I started off in psychology, uh, you know, undergrad, um, but I had this kind of pragmatic experience Teaching rock climbing and ice climbing, so blending these two things together gave me this kind of uh, non non corporate insight into how human emotion and the brain and socialization really works in the workplace, and so that really launched my career. And uh, what was interesting about it, you know, I've had time in the Fortune 10, the massive companies like Honeywell with you know two hundred thousand plus people around the globe. Uh, but then I've also been involved in my own, my own startups that I've created from scratch and built up, and then had the opportunity to sell. And then a lot of mid-level companies, global, but you know maybe you know three hundred thousand, maybe two thousand, you know, all kinds of different companies in different industries. And uh, so my so my 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 gift, my area, my um, uh, the the thing that I'm thankful for. Is this connection uh, the human factor element of business, and so that's really uh, what I've developed, uh, you know, my career around, and what I give back, you know, every day, or try to give back every day, either on an individual, a corporate, a social,
0: uh, or a team-based level. So that's what I do. And give back is a theme we're going to come back to because a couple of months ago, you put yourself out on a limb, social media, and really did start giving back in a way that very, very few people do. And I can't wait to share that and and even learn a little bit from it myself. But before we get there... I, I do want to ask, you teach so much and you work with so many different peoples at the peoples. I can't even speak English. You work with so many people and professionals, uh leadership level, HR level, like you said, from well-established organizations to startup organizations. When you're working with people in the business world, what lessons are you most passionate about teaching? Or to ask it better, maybe what skills are you more passionate about developing?
1: Yeah. Uh, um, you know, I really like to meet people and organizations, for that matter, where they are at, right? So, so it's not about a particular program or a particular skill set that I'm trying to deliver, but it's how do you identify the strengths that somebody has and, and really accentuate those, but then also identify those things that might be a little bit off that could potentially be an Achilles heel, right? And so how can we put a process or a tool or a, a skill in place so that 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 a potential Achilles heel doesn't manifest itself, and and so you know with the CEOs and the executives that I work with, that could be anything from you know like an emotional intelligence piece. Uh, I find you know not so ironic, right? Listening skills are so absolutely critical. I find that you know often we're we're programmed into this you know this type A like go 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 go. And instead of truly authentically listening to somebody we're so quick to be ready to respond and and take somebody a different direction and you know over over time and over you know my mistakes for sure i've learned that you know the art of questioning the art of listening can be such an effective and powerful way to draw alignment to get people either themselves to accomplish a goal that they didn't know that they could or bring a team together in alignment so that they can start running, you know, in a direction together. But it really takes—I um, uh, don't know how to describe it—almost that evolved engagement, right? To 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 not uh, react, not not be ready to respond, and thinking about what I'm going to say, but that evolved engagement to truly just listen you know, understand in the terms and the perception of who you're working with, what the problem is, and then ask those effective questions to help them remove those roadblocks, understand what's in the way, come up with, uh, you know, ideas and alternatives on how to address it so that they can move forward, right? It's not about me uh, helping somebody. It's about them uh, just, you know, figuring it out for themselves.
0: Being a bit of a shepherd in that way.
1: Yeah, for sure. I, 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 that's I think that's a good term. Uh, you know, different people, different reasons, right? Sometimes it might be emotional intelligence. Sometimes it might be, hey, you know, you don't, you're, you're so, you're so full of ideas, you don't have a strategy, right? So, so let's figure out how to take those great ideas, but then prioritize them, organize them, so that we can start putting action behind them. So, you know, different
0: different people, different things. I might know a guy that could benefit from that particular conversation. <laughs> Ask him for a friend. <laughs> uh, <Right on. laughs> I love, and I wrote it down, the, the phrase in evolved engagement. I love that phrase. I was recently working, this earlier this week, I was working with a group of CEOs and we were talking about, you know, why do you listen? And of course, as we went around the room, they all gave every good reason you could think of. Like if you Googled, why should you listen? These yeah. are the answers that they gave. And I believe that they believe it. I believe that they all do it. And I put myself in this bucket with them, by the way. They all do it. Sometimes they all do it when they have the chance or in the right frame of mind. But after we go through the list, we thank them for us. Okay, well, if we're in the trust tree here, how often are we actually listening for the first chance to talk, for the first chance to solve a problem we believe we've identified, for the first chance to share something we had prepared before this conversation even started? It didn't matter what you were going to say. This is what I was going to say. Or how often are we actually listening for the first indication that we don't have to listen anymore? Right. And you, you see people kind of chuckle and nod their head. I'm like, I'm guilty, too. <laughs> like, like, but let, let's let's get honest to almost a painful level when we talk about connecting with others. And I love that phrase, evolved, commun- evolved um, I'm forgetting it now, evolved engagement. I love yeah. it so much, I forgot it already. <laughs> evolved engagement. I think that's so important prioritizing empathy over time and outcomes over emotions and all those other things I think are so critical I love hearing it phrased that way. Yeah, it's um
1: it's hard to do. Uh especially I find I'll I'll talk about my personal experience, right? If I have one job and what is weighing against me is the critical element of, I need that paycheck. And if I make somebody mad, are there going to be consequences? Is it going to show up in my performance reviews? My bonus going to get dinged, you know, whatever. Then I automatically hold back and try to not only accommodate, but my listening, my communication changes because I'm trying to Fit into I, I, I'm doing instead of just doing the good work, I'm also trying to protect my income. If that makes sense, if I have multiple jobs or if I have multiple you know um, opportunities, right? And so now I can I can release that feeling of boy I need this and just focus on what is happening, what needs to be done, and, and hit it from that higher level. I can engage, right? That, they, that evolved engagement, I can hit it on the need that needs to be called out. And then there's there's less risk for me, and I find that my patience goes up. And then I can, very respectfully, very um, professionally, ask really good questions and call behavior out in the moments, assumptions out in the moments and not feel like I'm at risk. And, and that in and of itself, right? Requ- it requires me to step up. It really does. And, and so now that I know that, you know, I have to do that. And, and in that professional moment, in that, in, in that instance, I can help somebody realize that they're holding themselves back because of an assumption. They're holding themselves back because of a reaction or a behavior, or because the cycle that they've seen before is repeated and repeated and repeated. So their expectation is it's going to be the same. Well, our expectation doesn't have to be the same, right? That one of the folks I was working with recently, I mean, it was a simple conversation where uh, she didn't want, she got a job offer, but she really didn't want to take it. Just just was every fiber in her body because her assumption was, I got to take this job and I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be trapped for the next 12 years. And I'm like, what what if you just took the job as an experiment, as an experimental ground, like you you come into it at a higher engagement level, and all those things that you've done over the years where you bit your tongue or you didn't say what you were going to say, or you didn't do this, or you wanted to make this happen, but you didn't take that chance, just do it treat it like an experiment. And I tell you, in in six, six, eight weeks, this woman has transformed because every time I talk to her now, I'm like, how's the soap opera? You know, (laughs) instead of engaging and being a part of the soap opera, she's just watching the soap opera, but using it for her experimental training ground. It has made all the difference in the world. Her confidence is shot through the roof. She's like, I don't need this job. She's like, I like, As soon as the right opportunity comes, like I'm going to go in a different direction because she feels like she has gotten her control, you know, back in her, in her hands. And I mean, what a wonderful, wonderful thing, but, you know, I can only do that if, if I'm operating at a higher level, you know, not getting engaged in the soap opera myself.
0: You made so many great points there. We talk about risk mitigation and conversations. And and superior, superior subordinate conversations is happening on both ends where people can be more motivated to withhold information or at least spin their information based on what they perceive to be risks or consequences to be. That could be real. It could be emotional. It could be within the relationship. And the word I love in there also is patience, being patient enough to develop the new perspective or maintain the new perspective to consider that risk differently in order to make the impact or create the impact that we're looking to with somebody else. And I might be making a leap here, but I feel like probably with many of your keynote presentations, but the one that you were given a lot when we first met is likely tied in pretty heavily to risk and perspective. And if I recall correctly, the name of that session is something very you Know motivating and heartwarming, and I think it's uh, don't die halfway. <laughs> was, was that the name of the session?
1: Yeah, that was uh, there was uh, a, a char, I think it was in Charleston. I did that a couple other places, but yeah, the whole idea was about um, you know, opportun- or, uh, opportunity and challenges come up in front of us, right? And we get so caught up, we, i me too, right? We get so caught up in. The monument, the, the the significance, the overwhelming aspect of the goal. In fact, I was just talking to one of my uh, executives yesterday about this. He's he's building a new plant. He's building a new business, and we started going through all the things that have to happen. Which back to my speech, I I related to climbing Aconcagua, right, with the highest summit in uh, in South America, and. You know, whether it's climbing in South America or whether it's building this business that this gentleman's doing, you get to that point where, in this case, you see the summit for the first time and the storm's ripping. And in this case, there's a gentleman that, you know, he lost some of his fingers to frostbite and had some injuries. And another girl had unfortunately uh, passed. Uh, She had summited too quickly and came back down to base camp and had a cerebral hemorrhage. And so, in that moment, you see that and it's it's overwhelming, but you can't get to the summit. You can't build a business overnight, right? I, I mean, literally. So, so the only thing that we can really do is decide which step are we taking? We're either going to take a step forward or we're going to take a step back. And for the gentleman that was climbing with us and he saw the summit and he started freaking out, he was actually the most fit. <laughs> <laughs> he was more fit than I was. I'm like, dude, you just got to get out of your brain, right? And and so we have this conversation about, it's only about taking one step. One step, you know, and you, the only thing that you can't do is you can't just stay still. Like that is actually not possible, right? You, you, you either take a step back or you take a step forward, one or the other. You know, so we talked through it. Uh, you know, we got days before we get to the summit with the executive with the business. We have days before your business is launched. You know, on either side. So, what's the most important thing to do now? What's the one thing that you have control over? How do we build? You know, around that risk management pros and cons. Take one more step. So the gentleman on the mountain, he puts on his backpack. He takes like ten steps. And then he freaks out again because that's, that's what we do you—you know, as humans. You know, we get it back in our brain. It's not like you can have one conversation. Same with a gentleman building a business, right? So we have this conversation. We develop a plan. We, we take some action. Well, that doesn't mean he's not going to freak out tomorrow. You know, I'd be a fool as a coach or a leader or an executive to think that I could tell my organization or tell my people one time, hey, this is the plan. And then expect that, you know, everybody and all the anomalies and all the variables and all the things that happened throughout the course of the day, That's that our perspective doesn't change. And so, you know, 10 steps, he freaks out again. Guess what? We have the conversation again. And then, you know, we go through that. He puts back on the pack. He takes 10 more steps. He freaks out again. We have the conversation again. And this time, he decided to go to Brazil <laughs> instead, hang out on the beach. Has some wonderful pictures with some very lovely ladies. <laughs> I think he might have had more fun than I did. Uh, you know, the rest of the party, we went, we climbed the mountain, we had a great time. But um, you know, for there, there's no there's no mistake in that. There, there's no um, failure in that. There is an incredible lesson that I learned. There's an incredible lesson that he learned on accomplishing goals, right? And and and, and going towards that summit and making decisions. It's not about good or bad. It's about what's the next decision and how do I make every decision I've ever made brilliant because of the next decision I'm gonna make.
0: I love the the whole story I enjoy, but I love that last line. How do I make every decision brilliant because of the next decision I'm going to make? Full confession for me, I've got so many decisions that I've made in my life that I regret <laughs> that you would need multiple trucks to try to move <laughs> them with me the next time. Right. Um, so honestly, even hearing that perspective, like I can make all of those regrets worth it by the next decision that I make. Like that's absolutely that's in
1: and of itself. It's gold. Uh, absolutely. My, my, I was talking to my daughter this morning and she was, you know, she she's going off to college, right? In just a, a month or two here, and she was talking about you know making the right decision and and and, and making sure that her life is great. And so we had this moment, and you know, again with a lot of the executives I work with, but it, it's great as a as a father too. You know, I have learned more from my mistakes and my mishaps and my stressful moments. You know, all those have become. Really, the foundation of my knowledge, of my wisdom and the ability to share, you know, allowing people to skin their knees is not a bad thing. Just like teaching my kids how to ride the bike, right? The the consequence puts them in a position where balancing on that bike is more important than, you know, leaning on the training wheels and or, or skinning your knee. And so for my daughter, I'm like, it's not about making the perfect decisions and it's not about living this great life. In fact, when we're living a great life, our ego kind of gets in the way it's like, wow, I must be pretty good. I'm doing everything right. Life is awesome. But how much are we learning in those moments? And not, not much. Right. So, so now, you know, this new perspective is embrace the hardship, right? What what am I learning from? It doesn't mean I have to love being sad or love being fearful but what am I learning in this moment? What's the lesson that I'm taking away and how can I help me be better? And then, you know, how can I share that
0: and, and, and help others be better as well? So an evolved perspective that leads to the opportunity to create involved engagement that leads to the opportunity to experience outcomes, achievements, summits, if you will, that we Absolutely. previously never thought possible. Absolutely. And, and, you know, we all accomplish
1: more, can, for sure accomplish more than we ever thought. Now, when I'm teaching rock climbing or when I'm standing on stage and you know, sharing these lessons, it's, it's crisp, it's evident, it's right there. You know, I've kind of packaged it. But the most important thing is that we get in our own way, right? So you know, what is it that we need individually? Is it a coach? Is it just a great spouse? Is it a friend that you can have those authentic conversations with? Is, is it just pushing ourselves to the limit? Is it that great sport or activity that we're involved in? It doesn't, you know, the the avenue is different for everybody. Is it a brilliant book? You know, um, the avenue is different for everybody. But the important thing for me is what I see in people, what I see in everybody that I meet is that potential. They can do more than they ever dreamed possible. So I just want to, I want to listen really, really well, right? I want to just listen with, all my ears, all my heart, all my aptitude and 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 hear what assumptions they have that they're making their decisions and operating by. And then just ask the question, is this true? And, 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 and put it in front of them to determine. And if the answer is yes, then by all means, let's keep the conversation going. And if the answer is no, by all means, let's keep the conversation
0: going, but figure out how to navigate through that. Love it. There was another piece in there that I grabbed onto when you were going through the the story, when you talked about having to have the conversation with the guy with the backpack multiple times, and then equating that to business. Honestly, you could equate that to business, parenting, coaching, everything. We feel like we tell somebody something once, they should have the message. Our job is done. They've been told we can go on with our life. And then for whatever reason, like you said, perspectives change, they get busy, something else happens, maybe they forget. Maybe it's a novel situation to them. Maybe they're emotional, they're scared, they're nervous, they're unsure. So then now we get upset, maybe take it personally, maybe get frustrated, maybe in some way, like subconsciously even start punishing somebody because we have to tell them again. Absolutely. Where in reality, for most leaders and most organizations with most people that work for them the opportunities for you to tell somebody one time and have it stick exactly the way you want it to are minimal at best. So from your experience and mountain climbing really could be the answer, but if it is great, if not, what lessons or experiences did you have along the way that taught you that patience and appreciation for the human condition in order to continue to revisiting those conversations as part of the process and not an affront to your expert leadership.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh you know, the the one that jumps to mind was pretty significant. Um early, early, early. Uh I, I was a child musician. I started traveling around the world. I was playing the cello. I, you know, toured internationally, um, multiple tours. The last one of the last tours I was on. We ended up in the Czech Republic, uh, Prague, just outside Prague, Um, Czechoslovakia at that time. (laughs) And um, my host family, dear, dear host family, widowed, uh, three young kids. She was tiny and frail. And but man, she had this finger. She could get her finger right at me. Uh, Broken English, you know, great, great experience. No money. I mean, no money, Uh, you know, went to their house. You know, that's where I'm staying for a couple of nights. And you know everything about it was uh, very uh, what's the word uh, humble? That, that's not the, the word I'm looking for, but very modest, extremely modest, right? Um, but they gave everything, and so we had wonderful conversations again, broken English, and they they fed me, and you know just amazing, and you know gave up their bet, you know the very small space that they had, you know took care of me for a couple of days, and awesome relationship. So we're getting ready to leave. Uh, and you know, they're, we're saying goodbyes and the kids are hugging and we're having a great, and I have this beautiful picture of their blonde daughter who's in my arms and we're having fun and get ready to get on the bus. And I just lean over and, and I'm like, with all respect as I'm hugging this frail, incredibly strong woman. Um, I'm like, why did you bring me like, Thank you so much, but my goodness, like out of all the things that you could do with the money that you have, like why did you bring me here? And she looked at me and she got her finger going again and then pulled my face in. And I mean, the the most the strongest eyes I've ever seen, right? <clears throat> and she said, I'll never be able to send my kids into the world. So I brought the world to them. And what's incredible about that moment, I didn't realize the impact that we have, all of us have, on other people all the time. All the time. So it is my responsibility not to have the conversation once, not to tell somebody or ask that question once, but it's really my responsibility because this Woman she she helped me find my purpose. So we have to do what it takes to make sure that perspectives, understanding, align. And that does shift and that does change. And other variables come in, other pressures come in. You know, today we have a conversation, and my mind is focused. And yes, we are complete alignment. And then I wake up the next morning and my car breaks down. Well, guess what? Now I'm in a different mindset so that when I come into the office, like it's not top priority that I'm thinking about this. And then the next day I get a phone call and you know, my father-in-law has cancer. You know, like whatever it is, in that moment, we're aligned. But we are foolish if we think that there aren't pressures and environmental issues and complexities, and things that change our mind within 24 hours, much less a week or a month. So we have to revisit that, and we have to have it at the conversational level and understand the depth there. We have to have it at the presentation level, so we understand it at that level, right? There are different depths of understanding and alignment, and we're we're foolish if we think we can say something once and and have complete, you know, clear. Uh, agreement and understanding
0: very well stated extremely well illustrated and that's an amazing story (laughs) i would dare say that's the type of story that should be featured in a book (laughs) just just putting it out there putting it out there (laughs) it is it's not out yet but guess what that's like (laughs) chapter number one finding your purpose just trying to provide a little positive peer pressure. That's all. Oh, I, mean.
1: I love it. I love it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm hearing you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, That's amazing. You also recently gave another presentation. One that I had every intention of intending and wasn't able to. So I certainly apologize for that. Well, um, you have
1: another chance now. I'm doing it in uh, either Columbia or Greenville in about a month. I can't remember. Oh,
0: nice. That. Very nice. I, I need the date. Um. But I think that one also has a wonderfully wholesome and positive, (laughs) well-messaged title that leads to some very, very, very valuable lessons and takeaways. I don't want to misquote you. So the title of that presentation is...
1: Uh, The Five Justifications on Why Your Boss is an Ass. (laughs) 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 Yeah, uh... So, you know, this definitely has uh, come from experience, <laughs> but I, I dare say not only reporting to a boss that's an ass, but I've had some ass moments myself, um, you know, and it really, you know, I, I break down the, the five reasons, which I, I won't bother getting into here. But um, at the end of the day, I, I have this fundamental belief. That we're all really trying hard to do a good job. Like there, there's a few reasons, and you know, sometimes you get into a situation of imbalance where somebody's, you know, kind of lashing out or aggressive or whatever. But for the most part, most people that I meet, I really feel we're trying to do a good job, including bosses. But, you know, the pressure that bosses, CEOs, executives that they're under, they they're they're trying to make these things happen. And when things aren't happening as quickly or in the way or with enough detail or, or, you know, with enough strategy that they're comfortable with, then, you know, bad behavior comes out. Not necessarily intentional, but it goes back to this idea of all of us, all of us kind of know the textbook definition of how to listen well. A lot of us know the textbook leadership, you know, how you inspire, how you, you know, lead people. It's one thing to regurgitate it, you know, like academically. It's another thing to live it and breathe it. And so, you know, as I go through these five uh, elements, where I start is the negative impact that it has on people when it happens. And, you know, the the disruption inside, the emotional drain, the uh, self-doubt. That happens if somebody is micromanaging, or if somebody is you know lashing out and um, being passive aggressive. Uh, So you know those things happen not with the intent of negativity, but the intent is we're trying to do this thing, we're trying to move forward, we're trying. You know, for instance, that guy on the mountain, I could have said, "Stuck it up, Buttercup." You know, (laughs) it's time to get to the mountain. Like, who cares if a guy had lost a couple fingers? Like, that would be a typical leadership because i'm under stress like i kind of push this other guy because i'm not operating at that evolved engagement level so you know i go through the go through kind of the negative impacts but then i back into really what is the rationale like why is why are these negative behaviors coming out from leaders ceos bosses and ultimately i conclude you're going to love this it's almost like we planned it even though we didn't <laughs> the key is us If we have an ass, a boss acting like an ass, we need to listen. We need to listen to what it is that's pushing them into this negative behavior so that we can go correct it. You know, if if the details are being taken care of and that's what's spinning them out and making them behave the way that they're behaving, then the question is, okay, Mr. Boss, Mr. Leader, like, I hear what you're saying. Let me let me kind of understand this is what you're trying to accomplish. And by the way, I'm also quick to give feedback like just happened the other day. I had a guy walk by me and he goes, well, you know, you've been here six weeks. And I said. Uh, and then he was going on to other things and I'm like, uh, excuse me, like can we back up. What, what, what does that mean? And He said, what do you mean? I said, what is you've been here six weeks mean? And he goes, oh I'm not and I'm like, well, let let me share. It makes me feel like crap because either I'm thinking that I'm not delivering for you or there was an expectation that I missed or uh, you know I, I don't know, but if I let this go, like I walk out of here and my self-esteem, my confidence, my ability to serve you has been kicked down a notch so i I I need to understand what does you've been here six weeks mean? Is is it just a verbal crutch in a transition? Or is there something there that you think I should have done that I haven't done? Or is it something else? And he goes, oh, you know, I don't know. And I'm like, well, seriously, like, what what does this mean? You know, not, not to be a jerk, but I would just, you know, I need to know where you're at. And he goes, well, yeah, you know, I guess, you know, we were talking about some PTO, some HR, you know, stuff. Um, and he goes, you know, you've been here six weeks. I just figured this would have been done already. I said, okay, well, I appreciate that. And, and now that I understand that that's a priority, I'll, I'll raise that in the list. Cause frankly, I've been dealing with other things, but let's also be clear. I work here two days a week. I haven't been here six weeks. I've been here 12 days. And he goes, holy shit. He goes. You've done a lot in twelve days. (laughs) I'm like, thank you. So it's just about achieving that clarity, but that that falls on us, right? And and so I can call my boss. In this case, it was you know one of my clients, but I can I can say he's an ass because he you know he's being a jerk and being passive aggressive, or it's my responsibility to listen, understand what the true nature of the issue is, and then help him and help me overcome that. Because
0: we're going to address it and not just let it slide, it's a great example. I know you said you didn't want to take the time to get into the five, and I won't push it for push it for it. But what's one? What's one? What's, what's maybe the one? biggest one? What's maybe the biggest one or the one worth talking about the most was one?
1: Uh, I won't give the top one, you know, because uh, you know people can go out and watch it online or whatever. but um one of them is one of my favorites is, You know, you hear this leader say, well, you know, I don't like to micromanage, but and then they dive into macro micromanage, right? And and, and that causes all kinds of disruption, because if they're coming in from this higher level, they haven't been involved in the details of putting things together. A lot of times that micromanagement is filled with all sorts of assumptions. And, you know, there's there's a benefit in having a different perspective for sure. Uh, But micromanagement in and of itself. Uh, can be very deflating, very very frustrating,
0: for sure. And I'll find the video and I'll link it to this once once it's published, so people can watch the video and, and get the whole presentation. So we'll we'll give people plenty of ways to experience you. I promise once <laughs> we put this thing together in the show notes. We'll we'll add it all. Um, I worked for a guy for a long time who I believe I lovingly refer to as a passive aggressive micromanager. So essentially yeah. I would go easily weeks and often months with having no conversation at all, like zero, maybe yeah. a, Hey, how you doing? Did you see the game? But like no real interaction. And then all of a sudden it was like swoop in, bam, where are yeah. you? What are you doing? Did you think about this? Did you think about that? Did you like eight? Yes. All. And then this But so very much a passive aggressive micromanager, like I'll ignore you for three months, micromanage the hell out of you for three days and then go back to ignoring you for three months. So it was almost like that particular individual felt like being on you every day is micromanaging. So I'm going to give you plenty of space and then just get on you in these little days. And I honestly believe that a big part of that, and this was said out loud, and I don't know, I never had the guts to talk to him about it directly. So I have to own that. But I recall him saying multiple times that he didn't want to be his previous boss. And I find that in situations, you know we have a decision, right? We can either be the best of who we want to be, or we cannot be somebody else. And anytime we're trying to not be somebody else, we'll probably end up being more like them than we realize, because it becomes this target <laughs> fixation. The more I'm trying not to, I am. But we're also not coming anywhere near maximizing our own potential or our own opportunities because our mind's eye isn't taking us towards the positive. It's trying to steer us away from the negative, which keeps us on the edge, maybe on the cliff. If I may dare to use a mountain climbing (laughs) on the cliff of the negativity we're trying to avoid.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. I mean, there's so many, um, you know, odd behaviors that come out and and we justify them uh, because we're trying to accomplish something. And You know, life is just a big experiment, right? And and so, you know, going back to this idea of I believe everybody's trying to do a good job. I also am, you know, I'm one of these drivers out there that somebody cuts me off and and I'm just like, it's all good. Like, I've done things by accident. You know, before for sure, you know, had a blind spot or was thinking about something, or, you know whatever. So I'm pretty patient and passive, you know, on the on the driver's side, yeah, and at the same time, something will happen, and I'll do something, and somebody rah, you see him just yelling in their car and giving me very nice hand signals. and uh, and my first reaction is, man, that dude is stressed out. <laughs> like yeah. like it, it, you know, that trigger send them flying that much it's like man what's going on in their life that you know they're they're so freaked out so i you know it's just it kind of you know i i'll give you one other of the the fives one of one of them is um you know we don't have time to wait or you know i don't have time to teach or you know they're they're not going to do a good job because they don't have the big picture type of thing and it's like well wait a minute (laughs) If we don't do it now, then the next thing that comes, guess what the excuse is? Well, you know, they, they don't understand the big picture. Okay, well, whose fault is it that they don't understand the big picture of what's going on in the business? It's the leader's fault, right? It's like, so take the time, you know, take do the onboarding, have the conversations, sit with them, ask questions, loop back again, right? Can't tell them once and expect it to sit. You gotta loop back so that they understand the big picture. What what better asset can you develop in an employee than having them understand the big picture, draw that alignment, and now they can run on their own,
0: right? So true. I I don't know how many times I work with senior leaders who are telling me they're frustrated because their employees or frontline managers aren't thinking like business owners. Well, yeah,
1: they're not a business owner.
0: No, yeah. they don't have that experience. They don't know what that perspective is. They, they might think they are and maybe in their own perspective, they are. But are they think like, are we taking the time to educate to the standards we expect? Or are we looking for turnkey solutions with the people around us? I chose you because I think you can do it. I'm leaving you alone. Or I told you once, I'm leaving you alone. It, it, it's a hallmark. I, so
1: many of the CEOs, executives that I work with, You know, they want to put it in the core values of the business. I want everybody to have an ownership mentality. Well, let's talk about hypocrisy. (laughs) So you're not willing to give up ownership stake. So you are hiring people that have in their life determined that they want to be an employee, not a business owner. And, you know, there's not even like an ESOP program, you know, like an employee stock option type of thing. So you're asking for ownership on one side because you want to to elevate their thinking, their strategy, etc. But you're not willing to give ownership stakes to actually have the reward and the risk that's associated with ownership mentality. It doesn't make sense. Right? That is such a ridiculous ask. And it's certainly not a core value. And I even really question strongly whether it's a performance management element to be rated, you know, at from an employee standpoint, because it's it's not fair. It's completely off balance. And, and really it's a shield for a, a, an ass, <laughs> ass behavior that is a cop-out to say, I'm not going to spend time. I'm not going to develop. I'm not going to show the big picture. I'm not going to share expectations. I just expect that they have ownership mentality and will figure it out like I did. Well, the difference is I, the leader, the CEO, that's got it all on the line, they had to figure it out because that was the path that they chose. Not fair to ask somebody else to do that.
0: Agreed. With the few minutes that we have left, want to take yes, a out, highlight something that you did pretty awesome early, something pretty awesome you did. I'm still working on my grammar. Something pretty awesome that you did earlier this year. Uh, it's no secret that there have been m- many more layoffs this year than in recent memory. There's been a high concentration of those in the tech space. Uh, often when you hear people say, I care about other people. I'm here to help other people learn from my mistakes, develop them, support them. People say that to some degree they mean it, but it's always interesting to see to the level that they back it up or they exemplify it. You went out publicly on your social media and posted that you understood all of these things were going on. And that people likely had more control of their situation than they realized, more alternatives or options than they realized, and that they just needed to reach out to people, start the conversation, take control back of the process. And you offered yourself, you posted your calendar link on social media and offered for people to reach out to you if they either didn't have somebody or for one specific reason or another wanted to speak with you. Walk us through how that went, what you've done and what you've learned. (laughs) Well, I have to say, you know, I, I I did, I, my heart, like I
1: day after day throughout the day, I saw all these people, you know, laid off, lost my job, don't know what to do. or need help, you know, share my resume, whatever. And I was just like, my gosh, like there was something in me that just kind of like broke or stepped up or, you know, I don't know what, but yeah, just, you know started sharing advice and articles and stuff, but I'm like, there has to be more. So I'm like, put out my calendar link, you know, set up time with me if you, if you want to talk. And I figure I got, I got time, you know, I got a half hour for anybody, anybody that needs anything, you know, a half hour. It's like that lady back, you know, looking at me (laughs) saying like, you had this info. So if I can give a half hour and help somebody, now I'll admit, I had a little bit of a panic attack once I published that. Cause I'm like, what
0: did <laughs> I just do? But uh, undo, undo, <laughs>
1: undo. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So it kind of it went a little nuts and I'm, but I met the, every single one, nobody abused it. No, I mean, it was no, no sales guy got on there and be like, Hey, you know, I can help you with your coaching. Cause it wasn't about I, like, I wasn't charging for this. Right. I, I had no intention of just like, Hey, if I can help but met the most brilliant people that were just, you know, a little bit broken and needed a little help. And, you know, with my 30, <clears throat> 30 years of, you know, experience with, you know, HR and executive development, personal development, coaching, all this stuff. Uh, you know, I helped, you know, quite a few people just look at their resume and I'm like, Oh, dude, <laughs> like, you know, we need to move this around. We need to do like, you got, Two lines and two inches on your top of your resume, and if you don't captivate, you know they're not reading the rest and you know other people you know is helping with like interviewing skills and like that for you know first couple questions and one girl, oh my gosh, she has a brilliant story you should you should talk to her. she's dating a, um, a Vietnam or uh, not a a vet, uh, but he's a double amputee, and he was a uh, in the canine uh, unit, and so when he left the military no, he doesn't have feet anymore. Uh, his dog retired and is now his service dog. Nice. At, at Bel- Belgian Malawas. And so now they raise Bel- Belgian Malawas just for service dogs for military for, for vets. Great story. So she needed a, a job that had a little bit of flexibility to it. Great person. Great. I mean, she really knows her stuff, but she was just having tr- problems connecting. And so I had this idea. I'm like, you know, let's use our half hour. I'm going to interview you for 10 minutes. I'm going to ask questions. You know, I've been interviewing for a long time. So questions that would be like specific enough to draw out like what your strengths are, but kind of broad enough that anybody who saw this video, um, you know, that there would, you know, they could follow up with Um, 15 minutes, 15 minutes. I interviewed, took the link it out across my social media, 15 minutes. She had a recruiter call her and she got a job. That's awesome. I mean, how brilliant, right? Um, so, I mean, story after story after story, I'm sure we don't have time, but I, it filled me up. I mean, a half hour, right? I mean, totally filled me up. And then, and then the ironic twist was I had a, a lady call me back and I thought that was interesting. I'm like, I'll give a half hour to anybody anytime, an hour. For sure, we get beyond that. It's like, I gotta like, are we friends? Like, what's <laughs> going on? like, what's happening? Uh, you know, I I, I do have uh, bills to pay. And she said, uh, I want to I want to hire you as my executive coach. And I said, uh, Cool. Uh, I don't really do that, but she says you do now. <laughs> I'm like, All right. So uh, we put together a program. She is doing. Oh my gosh! Within six weeks, she went from zero to a thousand and is on you know this incredible journey another gentleman out of Atlanta he really wants to get out of the um the corporate you know rat race and he wants to start his own company but just doesn't really have any idea what kind of company where to start how do you do your marketing research how do you develop the funding like does he want to you know absentee ownership does he want a physical presence does he want a virtual company well I've done all of those things so it's so much Fun. I mean, I get energized, you know, meeting with these folks once a week and just asking those great questions so that they can navigate through their journey a little bit quicker with a little less risk, uh, with a little bit more planning, you know, just based upon the conversations that we're having. So, you know, never thought I would be an ex- executive career coach. Uh, and, and that looks different. You know, some people want a promotion. Some people want to change industry. Some people want to just do something different. Um, but man, it's a lot of fun. And the, the best part of it all is to see these folks within, you know, within a couple of weeks, a couple of months, I mean, totally gain that confidence, lean into that opportunity, understand the summit is, you know, one step and then one step and then one step you know, that journey and, and make it happen. And if I can be, you know, helpful in that, in that, uh, and manifesting that, then happy to do it.
0: That says so much about who you are, what you do, how you implement that evolved engagements that you talked about earlier, the patience, the listening, the, whether you're applying those lessons, not nearing, whether you're applying those lessons in your own career, whether you're doing it, on your own free time to help other people that says so much about you. And knowing that you've had that impact in such a short time, just with the people you volunteered to help is pretty amazing. So outside of going back through your social media, finding your calendar link and putting their own time on your calendar, where can people go to find out more about Jason Collette, Adaptivity and all the amazing things that you do?
1: Well, I appreciate that. Um, so there's a famous musician in Canada. And guess what his name is? Jason Colette. So he <laughs> dominates. <laughs> you do a Google search and he is the one that shows up. So I had to add my middle initial. Uh, so it's Jason T. Colette. So the website's just, you know, www, of course, if people even still refer to it that way. Uh, but it's just jasontcollette.com. Same on LinkedIn, Colette. And uh, yeah, you know, I'm available. It's uh, I'm always fascinated to hear people's stories. I love, you know the 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 human condition and what we go through, uh, the struggles, the the pain, the joys, the 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 successes. Um, it's all meaningful, right? It, it's all incredible. And uh, I just I have a passion around, you know, folks that are passionate about finding that stuff and finding their strengths and, you know, leaning into this, Intentional life rather than an accidental life, just kind of like going through and not being inspired. Uh, for, for those folks, man, I am totally available and excited to have the conversation. I'm excited to listen. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: I know that to be true. Really quick, this famous Canadian musician that you reference. Uh, yeah, has he ever played cello in the Czech Republic? <laughs> no, I, I've and he, he, he doesn't have it. He doesn't. It. <laughs> <laughs> His resume uh, is incomplete.
1: Well, you know, one of these days I'm going to meet him face to face and be like, "Dude, why why are you stealing my social media?" Like Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> on, or man. I'm going to, or maybe I'll ask him,
0: like, "Are we related?"
1: Like, you know, what what's going on? So yeah.
0: <laughs> well, hey man, it is always. Such a pleasure to see you and talk to you and learn from you. And thank you very much for sharing all your time and insight today. I really, really do appreciate it. I look forward to continue the conversation on this platform again down the road, but also seeing you in person and watching all the exciting stuff that you're doing again very soon.
1: Absolutely. Uh, the feeling is mutual, man. Every time we get together, I am lifted up and uh, ready to to lean into the next challenge. So appreciate you very much and all you're doing. And by the way, I used to teach communication at a university, and if I would have had your book, it totally would have been in our curriculum, Uh, and I have told that to many, 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 many people, so I appreciate what you're doing on the corporate side, the individual side,
0: and uh, the book is a a huge gold star in my, my view. I really appreciate it. Thank you, and I'm eagerly awaiting yours. (laughs) <laughs> no pressure. One last, one last jab, one last twist of the night before we go.
1: But hey man, right, it's man. always,
0: it is amazing to see you. Thank you so much. Let's do this again soon. Sounds good. Thanks. Once again, Jason, thank you so much for carving out the time, for joining us, for sharing all of those stories, all of those experiences. I'm pretty sure that line, I can't bring the, my kids to the world, so I bring the world to my kids, if, if I'm c- quoting that correctly, is going to be one of the most powerful lines I will ever hear for as long as this show lasts. So thank you so much for sharing all of your time, experience, and expertise with us. And I hope everybody that joined us got so much out of that conversation that they can apply to their business and personal conversations as well. Thank you to everybody that joined us today. Of course, on the way out, we're going to thank our sponsors one more time, Human Tell. Head over to humantel.com and enter the code Inquasive25 for 25% off industry leading training on how to recognize changing emotions, shifts of emotions that people experience based on their changing facial expressions and nonverbal communication. Also head over to Emotional Intelligence Magazine, EI-magazine.com and experience their ever-growing library of emotional intelligence resources from articles to videos to podcast, educational events. Check them out. And for the investigative interviewers, please take the time, head over to the International Association of Interviewers at certifiedinterviewer.com. Check out all of the resources they have there for interviewers from their interrogation-related documents and resources, strategic planning guides, to their member communication, to their legal updates, to the Certified Forensic Interviewer designation, to the events that they have coming up, their webinars and in-person events that they have. They are dedicated to providing interviews Interviewers with the resources they need to maintain their elite status and conduct morally, legally, and ethically successful interviews in any context. So check out certifiedinterviewer.com for the International Association of Interviewers. Again, thank you all for being with us today. I truly appreciate it. Please do the things the algorithms like. Give Jason and all of our great guests the additional exposure they deserve by liking, sharing, commenting. Please tell your friends, expand the show. We really appreciate that. Share your feedback with us. What have you liked? What have you learned? What have you applied? What haven't you liked so much? Please let us know. And of course, if you have someone who you think would be a great guest on the show, share them with us, make the introduction so we can get them onto the show and share their perspective, their experience with the world as well. Thank you again. Please stay safe, take care of each other, and we'll see you next time.